All right, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Uh, on this episode, I'm continuing the collegiate trend by having Harvin Vallabanani come on. In this episode, we have a continued discussion of the true self, and we go into the value of introspection. Uh, it was a really fun episode. Um, a lot of weird things came up where I, I got a homework assigned. Um, there was a point where I was at a loss for words, and uh I really stumbled through certain certain points, so hopefully this is a, a fun one to listen to. Uh, so without any further ado, let's get it. Today I have Harvin on the podcast. I want to, first of all, thank you, Harvin, for coming on, and we're going to jump in where Peter last left off. Um, so the first question I want to throw your way is who is Harvin Vallabhanini? Starting with the <laughs> deepest of questions. <laughs> oh my God. First off, Mike, thanks for having me on. I've never been a podcast guest before. I'm probably going to be an awful person to be a podcast guest, but thank you for having enough trust in me to, <laughs> to introduce me. And if you're listening, I'm sorry for the next hour. And if you make it to the end of the podcast with my rambling, send me a text and I'll be really impressed <laughs> and, and feel appreciated. So Mike, I think your question was, who is Harvin Valbanani? I don't think I've ever been asked this question in a philosophical sense before. Um, I think the way I would describe myself is, I mean, I would start off with like very empirical stuff because uh, I, I, I feel like that's how I've always asked, answered this question before, but um, I'm, I'm in like an ex, I'm an immigrant. I work in business as a consultant. Um, I'm a son to two amazing parents. Um, and I'm about to marry the love of my life and fiance. Um, I think I think those are like the empirical things that would describe me. Um, if I have to think about a step deeper, I would say, like I'm very much a realist and someone who finds the positivity in most situations. Um, I like to have fun in life. I really value meeting new people. Um, and, and having like a wide, wide network, um, and, and just understanding people, um, through their lens, understanding their experiences and, and just adding to my like shared knowledge with them. Um, so, so I think, I think those are the qualities that I really and see in myself. And, and I think of myself also as just like someone who will always work hard to get what needs to be done, done and try to do it the right way, no matter what I do. Do you feel like that description of yourself is something that is always true in every situation? Like you're always a realist, always positive, always looking for fun in life. Or are there times where some aspects of that description are not present or are missing? Yeah, that's a good question. And I would love to see I think I'm going to answer this one way based on my life to this point. I feel like I have 
throughout my life had kind of that attitude towards life and sure were there experiences that have shaped it and I, I think those are it right so that 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 has happened but I think my experiences to life up to this point have kind of shaped them and solidified them to like a mold that I think I'll carry those for the rest of my life if that makes sense um I think I became the person I was um, because there were moments where even even in tough situations, I had a positive attitude, um, brought like a, a humor to it and a spontaneity to it and a hardworking nature to it that helped me achieve it. And I think, I don't know when those ideas initially formed, but I've just always had reinforcement and I've had positive feedback saying like, this is the right attitude to life because you're, you're achieving things that you wanted to do. Um, so, so I think that's carried over and, and I think that will mean that I carry that attitude to the rest of my life. Will there be like a, a shock or something that happens in my life? Like maybe I lose my job and I'm like, my life will completely change. Um, but I think no matter what, I'll still have those kind of viewpoints, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Where this this is now something that you have solidified as a part of who is Harvin. And this these qualities going forward, even if they're shaken up by a major event, will still be at the bedrock of it. They will still be the foundation um, where it might be something changes it for a little bit, but you're, you might always return to that, that state. Um, yeah, is that I think where, so, Mike. Is that where you would, would you define that as, as self, as your true self down there uh, at that, that value system? I never thought of true self as like these core values. Um, I, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, it's, it's super hard to define, but I think that is as solid of a real, as a, as a thing as I can think of. Um, and the the reason I, I like that definition is I feel like who I am has changed a lot, even probably in the time you and I have known each other in 10 years. I feel like I've grown, I've changed, and, and throughout my life, I've had so many different experiences. And if you asked 10-year-old me who my true self would be, it would be unbelievably different of like the interests I have, the, the passions I have, or like the challenges I'm dealing with to the, the me currently right now. And I don't even just mean in like an age-based kind of thing like right now my challenges are like how am i going to save for home versus like 10 year old me was like how am i going to get charizard um in this game right so so i think that those are different but like i just mean like even broader like the challenges i had as a 10 year old like trying to make friends trying to learn english like all those core things um are so different from the challenges that i have now um but i think the one thing that has always stayed true to how 10 year old me approached that challenge and how like 28 year old me is going to, it approaches as a challenge is what I described, like with hard work, positivity, um, humor. And, and I think that's stayed true for my whole life as much as I can remember. So I, I would agree with you that if the test of true self is like at your core, what is something that change doesn't change for your life? And this is like the moral compass that you make decisions with. Um, I think that meets that test and um is how i would define it where do you think that is held in the 
physical manifestation of Harbin. Where where does the where do those values exist? Where that true self is. I think I think the engineering answer of us like I I'm sure like some people will be like in your heart or something, but like I see it as like neurological and and it's it's something hardwired into my brain. Do you do you th- have any insight as to what part of the brain is it the the entire brain is it one specific section? Got it. As you were saying, um. I cannot remember my neuro, but I would say it's it's in one specific section, um, and it's like I think it's like fight or flight, right? Like it's in my like whatever part of the brain is so core to me that like it's coding for fight or flight. It's like that, and then this like level of coding of like no matter what's happening, stay positive. Like those kind of values, I I, I see is that intrinsic to my to to myself that it would be like that level mm-hmm. i wonder i wonder if like a dinosaur is reaching out for me and like <laughs> that part of the brain's like flight or flight um fight or flight and then like it'll say flight and then be like but be positive about it <laughs> yeah no that's a, that's an awesome question it's like which one has precedent in in those scenarios if you're if the dinosaur brain is saying okay fight or flight let's go it is the other part is it being overridden in that case? And if so, is Harvin's true self being uh, kind of subjected to to this more base, more primal part of your brain? Yeah, that's a good question. I guess it's, I, I would say yes, right? Fight or flight ultimately is a very short duration of time. And that's pro- in that moment, yeah, you probably lose your true self and um like just try to survive right like if someone was like i don't know had a gun in my face and i decided like my brain was like fight fight like i'm not gonna like think about being positive and nice i'm probably just gonna think about kicking this dude's ass um but in the moments after because i think fight or flight as we talked about it's just it's a short short burst and short experience like i think that dies back down and you're back to your true self mm-hmm. yeah I-, I wonder if there's other parts of the brain that also can take precedent over over those values of what you think your true self is desire for sex i think would be one yeah that's a good one <laughs> you think about what is the what is the main reason that life exists on this planet and you look from a genetic perspective it is to create more genes and to reproduce so oh my god dude you told me you watched planet earth like how many animals like die while like right after reproduction and or like they're, they're literally killing themselves to mm-hmm. create more spawn right i think that's the ultimate test for it so yeah i would say like breathing and sex probably are the other elements that would go there okay yeah that's a that's a fascinating point uh the desire for sex i feel like humans being such complex animals and having these complex nervous systems the way that we achieve sexual desires the behaviors that we enact are not as simple as just like um i i think was something that has a a a simple sexual uh reproductive cycle like um i'm I'm thinking birds when they're doing their mating calls they're they have like these um giant displays of flamboyance and like color and trying to impress mates and stuff and so yeah. you have complex behaviors that are arising, arising out of the desire to reproduce. 
Um, but I'm thinking like maybe worms or something. I I guess I haven't really studied worms. It's, but... wor it's worse. Very simple. Like yeah, they're just okay. I found another worm. Let me try and reproduce. Uh, oh, missed the spot. Um, I guess try again next time I, I see a worm and see what happens. Yeah, good. Um, so humans, they do all types of things to try and reproduce in order to, mm -hmm. to find mates. I guess, what, what is the question I'm trying to craft here? It's, is there a conflict between your being your true self and the overriding desire to reproduce? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, I wonder, I might, I might pose this back to you because I have definitely seen people I know, like for the drive to like meet a girl at a party or in college, like become different people, it felt like, um, because they want to get with someone over the night. I, like it would, I frankly like, sometimes like don't enjoy being around people that are like trying to pick up chicks or something like that. Cause it, it's not like the core person I, I truly enjoyed. Um, I think have I made like stupid decisions to, for the sake of like girls? Absolutely. Right. Like I think one of the reasons I went to BU was because I was like, I think there's going to be, there's way more girls there than the, the other engineering schools I was looking at. Right. So I've made stupid decisions, but I think, the way I was able to I probably, this is probably a privilege, but like, I feel like the way I found Felicia and all of the girlfriends I've had was like being myself. Right. And it was like a more long-term process than like just meeting a girl at a party. Um, so I feel like for me, at least I, I feel like my true self led to my relationships versus the opposite. But I do think I've seen in others, like people abandoning their true selves and values that they had um to to for for the sake of sex right and and i i i think that's definitely exists i i guess i i wanted to ask you like how, i mean you you saw me try to meet girls and stuff so did you feel like i was a different person like what i just described like do you think you saw that in me ever i i would i would say in different environments you adapted in order to achieve the account the outcome that you were looking for mm -hmm. and in certain in certain environments to if you were to compare them based on what your your real values are then they are conflicting mm -hmm. in that aspect um i, I think I'm, I'm in the camp where the the environment shapes the behaviors and and even like going back to trying to trying to find a, a mate or trying to do something to impress the opposite sex and changing your behavior in order, in order to do that, which might uh, conflict with your values, it's it's a question where is the the values do values for people exist throughout their entire lives? Like for for you, you're saying the realistic positive fun in life has always been there it's always been sturdy for you do other people have that same um same sturdiness of it or are they are they aware of that value or are they changing in each diff different environment as uh 
new situations present themselves and their desires are changing, um, whether it be to um, find find someone to hook up with or to maybe get a promotion or to um, maybe find something to eat or to survive. It's, mm-hmm. it's changing in all those different situations. So... But do you think... Um... Do you think there's like core three or four that you think stay constant? Can you find that in yourself? There are core three or four. Like, I don't know, like, for example, like hardworking or something. Because I feel like I picked very broad ones. Yeah, those are. <laughs> and and I feel like those three, no matter what decision I'm making, I, th- I think they're in all of those. And I'm, I wonder if you can find that. Because I feel like that representation is your true self and the egg around it are things that where environmentally factors could change. Like perhaps in one area, you're like, I want to be very active in this environment, but another environment, like maybe you're a temple or something and you want to be more contemplative. But I don't think I would describe that as like a second layer to that true self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I don't know. I, I see. I, I see the environment that you're, that you're in activates different neural pathways and different versions of self um, mm-hmm. in order to survive in that environment. And the ones that are consistent between each environment, I guess. Are what are what the commonality is between that person in these different places. So I don't I don't know if there is one one that I would identify as. Where like I could say I I'm curious in mm-hmm. all the time, but I know that's not true. There are some places where my curiosity shuts down, and I, I don't. What, can you think something. of one? Oh, got it. Um, I I'd say. There are, hmm. I'm, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to put myself in a place where I'm looking at something and be like, do I want to learn about that? I'm th- that's yeah, what I'm saying, Mike. Like, like I, I, when I that. asked you that question, I posed it because I was like, I'm, I, was, I was putting words as like someone who knows you. I was like, I did come up with curiosity, but I was like discovery or like learning or something. And I was like, I feel like you and I were in the front row of Imagine Music Festival and you were probably thinking about how the DJ made that sound or like looking, staring at the, like the subwoofer and thinking about the acoustics and the engineering behind it. I, I can genuinely not think of a situation where you would not be curious. I don't know. Maybe you're having sex. You're probably not thinking about the, the actual mechanics of like how things are happening, yeah. but yeah, sometimes I think the experience when you're in the experience of something, uh, like even being mindful or meditation, right? Uh-huh. And you're sitting there and you're trying to find this place of calmness and, and relaxation. And that's when you want to shut down that curiosity part of yourself. That's a great point. Um, and, and so. But, but the act of meditation, then it's almost becomes an exercise to turn off this really innate true self part of you. Right. Meditation is hard. And it, mm-hmm. maybe it's hard because you're trying super hard to turn off this like very innate thing you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like to look Otherwise, at it as every time you were modules. in that situation. Good. I like to think of it as your your base modules of okay. the your your lowest functioning neural processes, the 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 um the ones that kind of every thought pro process goes through. Um, when you're meditating, you're kind of turning all those off. You're turning all those off, and it's not going through your anxious mind or, or your curious mind or your positive mind. And it's trying to just make its way to your to your awareness and to your consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I guess if, if I were to go back to that question that you said earlier about what the three or four beliefs or principles or behaviors that define the true self and I, I say curiosity um, maybe I would change it to say that these this is the this is one of the basis ones sitting there next to your primal your primal minds yeah hmm but there's there's something conflicting about that I don't know. I, I can't. I can't just sit with that. I can't sit with this idea that there is one true identity that exists. I, I think maybe what it's I not just, identity. Maybe it's not self. I also like the thing to think about. Then, Mike is like they were formed at some point, right? Like these are not things that like, did these traits I have were definitely learned and shaped by my life so far. My parents have completely different values, I think, um, and like traits, and I think these are very unique to me. So now I'm kind of going back to your, your side because if, if there was one true self and it was innate, then it was probably passed down to, it was formed when you're 10 months old or something like that. But I, I think it's, I think those three beliefs have been shaped entirely by my life experience and probably in the most formal years where it's like the first six years. But, but I think at this point now, I consider them to be, it, it's fascinating that I consider them to be like almost like primal urges and, and the, the things that all my thoughts, everything I do goes through these chords and I, I measure it to these values. So I think now I'm in the camp that yes, they were shaped by experiences. They were shaped by self, but I think at a certain point now they're so true to me that they're almost as primal as flight or flight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. How your experience shapes them. Where do they come from in the beginning? Um, and you, the the way you were raised is a definitely a big part of it. The, I think so. The people that you're around, your friends, your culture, right? The uh, we were talking about this earlier about being in Western culture versus Eastern European, um, it produces a different type of belief system or that has a lot of different assumptions um, that people take as their, their core selves. Um, so that, that part's very moldable. Um, so that, that brings up a, an interesting point of at which point do they get solidified? How, how much does someone need to I don't know, reinforce these ideas in order for them to become essential to them. 
Yeah. Is there I, an, I, even like I was worried you were gonna go here. I was I was thinking about that actually, <laughs> and when I thought about those values, I mean, for me, dude, these values, I think they were shaped, like they were completely shaped by my upbringing and things like that, like the hardworking attitude, like that that comes from like my parents and seeing like immigrants like work for everything they had and. Um, start off like very poor in like a one bedroom apartment and seeing them like wake up at 5 a.m. to do xyz like that that came from that right um having like a positive outlook on life came from like being someone who was in school in america for the first time without any like friends or family and like could not understand the other kids in my school and was like picked on because i had a weird accent or i didn't know what they were saying right so I think those were shaped by those experiences. So, so for me, like the childhood experiences I had, hundred percent shaped those like four core beliefs. So I would say your childhood, and and but I guess it's it's I would love to meet someone. I'm sure these could change, right? Like maybe there's another like traumatic or very important life event that happens in the next five years. Um, maybe they'll completely shake and change my life beliefs. So that could, that could happen. Um, but for now, like they were informed by the experiences I had in like, I would say my first 16 years on the world and how I like kind of overcame those. Mm. And they've been reinforced by every moment after those. It might even not be 16 years. It might be like first 10 years of my life. I started to shape my beliefs and then everything in the next 10 years, our experiences of BU together reinforced the beliefs I had. Mm -hmm. Do you think if you were to go like with the blank slate, tabula rasa and had to recreate yourself in any way that you wanted to and give yourself any type of values that you wanted to, would you pick the same ones or different ones that you have now? Mm, that's a great question. There are qualities that I wish I had, and but there are also, I guess it depends how many, I guess I would add to what the ones I have, right? If that makes sense. But I would not want to sacrifice any of the qualities that I value. And, and perhaps that's what makes this so sticky and so hard. It's probably hard to like change someone's life outlook. Like if, if I came to you and said, I'm very pessimistic, super down myself, and that's a core value I hold, it would probably be very difficult for Mike Palmieri, no matter what evidence you have, no matter what mind exercises you try to change my philosophy on that. Cause that's like my core life vision. Um, and that, that, that was a, that was a much more negative example, but like, I, there's nothing I would want. Like, I would love to have your drive for curiosity and your passion for that, but I wouldn't want to give away any of my like three core ones to replace it with, if that makes sense. But I would love to add on to my traits and like grow with this additional trait. Yeah, those core, those core four. You feel like if any of those were to go away, you would lose Harbin. I think Sometimes. so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think like if you substituted like my ability to see the, the the brightness of any situation, right? And I replace it with curiosity. I would turn into someone else, right? Like when you think of me, you probably think of 
like me smiling and like all our shared experiences like and and i think that stems stems from that right and i wouldn't be me anymore if i gave up on those so so there's element of like always self-improvement but there's element of also i don't want to lose who i am and i think these things are so core to me that i wouldn't want to sacrifice it even if i was becoming a much better person because i think i would be someone else right but i think i would love to grow by adding these other qualities to i think these core ones that i have i think that goes back to like my theory that like maybe this is like there's like the core part of the donut, like I'm, this is the center hole, and then the ones around it, curiosity, things like that, that I hope to acquire, grow from, learn from people like you. But those I think are more situational, like you turn them on when you need to. All right, uh, yeah, that was a great answer. That's one, I have so many more questions now. Um, so uh, just to start in, in, in one direction, do you think it's valuable to know what your core values are? I think yes, it is. Is it, is it, I, I probably, so I guess my belief is like your core values are, are what they are and you're making your decisions and your actions based on them innately, perhaps without understanding. Um, do I need to like contemplate and reflect on what those are? Um, I don't, I personally don't think so. Like, I feel like I'm, very action focused and like i would rather just see the outcomes and and the outcomes are informed by your values do i need to like meditate and contemplate on what those are like those already exist in my mind um so i would prefer to not like spend mental energy thinking through those um until like you and i talked about like what are my core values i don't think i ever put thought to it and frankly i don't even know if these are my core values because I didn't think a lot about it before, but now that I'm talking about them and thinking about them with you, like they, they seem to be pretty core to me. Um, so I guess, I guess the answer to your question is it's almost like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Like their core values, they're your behaviors, they're how people perceive you. Um, if you, if you want to learn more about yourself, yeah, I think it's a great way, great exercise to learn more about yourself. But I guess like I'm in the camp of like, I've never been super introspective and would much rather be action focused than, than introspective and things like that. So um, those things have just never been super important to me and, and it's not stuff I would not like dedicate a lot of mental energy to. Mm -hmm. so, so you're saying learning about yourself, learning about who Harvin is at the core is not as important as being Harvin and exactly, exactly. acting as Harvin. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Um, so that, that's because being Harvin, you, you generally enjoy it. You, you like being yourself. You're, you have a positive outlook just about life in general and about being you. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And like what I like to doing is not looking inside about like myself, but I like what I value and like what I like the way I'd want to spend my time is like with others. Uh, <laughs> like grab a drink, watch, watch like a basketball game with someone like that. That's, that's what drives me and energizes me versus like being introspective about myself. And I think, I think that's, that's always something I've known about myself. And I, there's been times where I was like, I need to go and be more introspective, thoughtful about myself and perceiving. But, um, and, and I think I, and I don't think you, you probably, you've known me for a while. You probably have never seen me as someone 
who is like that. Um, and, and I would love to grow in that aspect someday, but to me, it's like, I wouldn't want to sacrifice grabbing beer and, and going and Mike, going with Mike to like a ski trip or something. What if we replaced it with grabbing a beer, going on a ski trip and being introspective all at the same time? <laughs> I guess we could do that. <laughs> uh, but like during the moment when we had allocated for introspection time, I'd rather like play beer pong with you or something, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like it's like it's like an activity you enjoy versus an activity you don't like i like i like skiing i like uh riding a bike i don't like doing chores i don't like being introspective but at the same time like introspection is probably like an exercise right it's something that you do to fulfill and improve yourself but you don't don't necessarily need to enjoy it and and i think it's an exercise i don't do enough so i'm probably much weaker in that area than, and then than definitely you and other people. Um, but I definitely don't enjoy it. It's hard to think about yourself and be introspective, man. Yeah. That's a muscle I don't like flexing. Yeah. Do you enjoy it? Like, I, I think you do, right? The answer is you, you enjoy being introspective. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, and have you I, always, no, definitely not. Um, I've recently gotten to this place where um, I find the beauty in things the more I understand them. And there's like two main areas that I, I think, um, two, two main perspectives that I'm looking at right now. One is just the universe in general, how the universe works um, and how we're all kind of a part of the universe just by the simple fact of following the Big Bang through all physical, chemical, biological interactions. Like we're consisting of atoms that come from hot suns and tracing that all out. Um, that seems like a cohesive story to me. And trying to understand that makes me appreciate just like every little thing about it. Every little flower, every little spiral, every mathematical equation that exists, um, I can find the beauty in. Mm -hmm. And then... The other part is the introspective part to to realize that I can only see things through my perspective, through my brain, my, through my mm. first person showing of Mike's life, right? And so because I have that very subjective experience turning inward to see why certain emotions arise when I'm in certain situations, why I behave in certain areas when certain people behave in other certain areas being introspective in that helps me understand myself more than i ever have before and I, I realize that a lot of the negative things that i didn't like about myself they have logical reasons to them that, that's the interesting thing about I, I find the brain is that it's very logical but there's a lot of fallacies in there there's a lot of assumptions there's a lot of beliefs that don't have any real argumentative um, substance behind them. And once you start prodding those and starting to, like dialectically going at them from different perspectives and they start to break down, you can kind of make these realizations, these um, epiphanies kind of, and saying, wow, I don't actually like doing that. I don't see a reason to do it anymore and I can't justify it. So now 
this part of myself that I didn't like kind of vanishes. Or if there's a part that you want to grow in and you start looking at, okay, I want to grow in this direction, but I haven't taken any of these actions. Why is that? What's preventing me from going there? Let's dive deep. Mm. Let's figure this out. And then once you go in, you say, oh, wow, I didn't know that I was like afraid of public speaking this much that's preventing me from growing in this direction. Why am I afraid of public speaking? Let's yep. go deeper. Where does it come from? Oh, is it from me being embarrassed when I try to tell, do my presentation in second grade? And is it is that where it stems from? Is that the very beginning? Um, and so I, I find it as a way, if you're introspective on your own personal subjective experience, you can now guide with like, with your mature 30-year-old self, we can now reframe and reorganize our brain and our values into something that's more cohesive with like what our current thinking structure is. Because like you said, everything comes from, or a lot of things come from your childhood experience and development. Yep. And mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff was kind of forced upon us. We didn't really have a lot of agency back when we were children. And a lot of our behaviors and beliefs that come from those early days and ages, we probably wouldn't choose to keep them if we were given the option. If like, do you want to have this trauma dictate your behavior or do you not want it to? It's like, eh, I'm probably good without it. Let's get rid of it. I don't need <laughs> That's that. That's so that true. Yeah. It's, like, it's like I'm doing, um, to think about it from a, a software engineering perspective it's like i'm doing code cleanup i'm getting in here saying what are all these old pieces of code that are still functioning that aren't as efficient or as lean or as that abide by um the the best coding practices interesting yeah and so that that's where i find the the value in in introspection and um i love the way you describe that dude um suddenly became something i guess it's it's really clear and easy to find the value in it and and i I just love the way you described it it makes me want to do it more because i can clearly see the relation to like improving yourself Hmm. by doing it yeah Um, although my airpods are gonna die i'm just gonna transition to this one sec all right picking up where we just left off just took a quick little break um but we talk about introspection and what the value of it is now uh you were saying previously that it wasn't worth it for you to introspect um it wasn't a muscle you're used to flexing um but now after uh sharing what i i think about it, you you think there is value because you can use it to grow in a way it is, is growth the main reason you think you'd use it going forward? Oh, now you got me. Um, I definitely think there's, I, I guess I resonate with what you were saying where it was like, like for example, your, your reasoning of public speaking, that, that moment stuck out to me. And I think it was, it's, I saw the value in it because you had this innate fear of something um, that was inhibiting you from achieving the person you wanted to be. And there's probably only so much of just pure training and action you could have done to become a good public speaker um, because you had this more primal, like just, or just this traumatic experience that, that inhibited that. 
Um, and I think why that example stood out to me was I could very actually see that you had this goal you wanted to achieve. Um, and unless you had the introspection to say, what is ultimately the cause of me failing to do this? Um, you wouldn't have been able to succeed in, in becoming the person you want it to be. And I think everyone has, including me, has had moments where you've wanted to be a different person or, or improve in some way and have this inhibition where I think what your example made me realize was that even though I don't enjoy being introspective, I have been introspective in my life and it's definitely shaped the person who I want to be. Um, I think it was a great example because I, I like saw myself in that story. Um, so, so I think you haven't been in the camp now of there's value to introspection um, and, and it's, it's important to do. Um, and I think your, your second question was, is there value to it just from a, just from a growth perspective? I think there's value to it beyond just that. It, it, this is one example of like to grow, be introspective. But I think there's also moments of memories or remembering people or understanding your values, um, or figuring out what's important to you in life. Like if you're trying to prioritize, like making a family event or a big work conference, like. I think introspection is required in that moment to, to make those decisions. Um, so, so I, I, you've convinced me so you, you've solely convinced me to value introspection. I still think it's an exercise I don't enjoy doing. Um, it feels like, but it, that doesn't mean it's not important. And you've also convinced me that it's beyond just growth. It's, it's also, there, there's more value to it beyond just that. I, I'm, I'm happy, uh, like, <laughs> do you, hmm. do you feel like I brought you onto this podcast right now to get you to think that, or do you think this naturally happened? Oh, man, I never thought, I never thought you had an agenda behind this. Um, yeah. I don't, so, no. No, I don't think you brought me onto the podcast. I never assumed that you had brought me onto the podcast to think that. Um, no. <laughs> I didn't know this would go in this direction. So now I'm like, I'm happy that you're here and like you see the value in it. And I don't want you to feel like you've been cornered in any way or like. No, 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 not at all. I think, I think that. Mike, what was cool is like you led me to it, but it's not that way. Like I. I I think I, I've always known the value of introspection. I've known this thing. I think what you helped me realize is, I guess I've, be, I've always just been like, it's important to. You. I know it's it's like eating your veggies. Like you know you have to do it. You know it's good for you, but doesn't mean you enjoy doing it. I think what you helped me realize is that, I probably give too little credit to the amount of introspection I've done, and specifically that public speaking example. Like I had a very similar public speaking example, and it was like very tangible because I was be like, that definitely happened to me. That helped me become this. And I think I realized that I've not done introspection every day, but there are a lot of moments where I've done it and it's helped me grow and become the person I want to be. And, and I think, um, I think as I think to who I want to be in the future, like I am an introspective person, um, not from like a 
but but again it's it's not something i do constantly but it's something that i do occasionally and i think i have seen value in it so i think you just showed me an example that was was amazing and 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 just made me realize that i do do it maybe (laughs) i'm super glad that's awesome Hmm. i think do you remember in um in college when we used to go to fit rec all the time Mm-hmm. And um, I think after a year or so, uh, we just became like so strong and like flexing in the mirror all the time. <laughs> and um, I-, I think back to getting there as a freshman and it was like no idea what we were doing. Everyone seems so much stronger in a way yep. like in the, in the squat rack. And I-, I can see the parallels here with introspection or like at first it's you don't know where the muscle even is to flex it yeah um but then the more you do it the more you feel comfortable yeah i never First thought off, about it that way that's, that's I, I think that's a great way to think about it um but also you were the guy flexing in the mirror i i'm still <laughs> not strong enough to to be able to do that no dude you're you're good pretty shredded i remember you always have that low body fat percentage so like your muscles always pop especially your shoulders dude <laughs> yeah i don't know about that <laughs> I think Felicia would disagree with you, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Huh. All right, flexing that muscle, interesting. Uh, You said... Is that that like a... seems obvious to me that to think of introspection as a muscle. Is that, I mean, all the reading you've done and the conversations you've had, is that that a weird way to characterize it? No, I I think it's it's pretty apt. Um, I've always seen it more as a comfort level where... Uh, when you're being introspective there are there are opportunities where you can like get frustrated or upset in some ways when you mm-hmm. when you look that deep and um being comfortable in in that uncomfort zone is uh something that you have to get used to um and that's where like the training and and just trying to do it often um, allows you to exist in that space for a longer amount of time and actually extract the value that you're going. It's like um, holding your breath underwater, what I feel like. Um, And being able to be there deeper allows you to look longer. Um, Because a lot of times I found that when you're being like really introspective and going really deep, you run into these, these loops these argumentative loops where you say, oh, I want to do this value, but I have this belief that counteracts with that value, and so I can't do this value, but I want that value, but I have this belief, so I can't do the value, but I want the value, and you, it's like this loop, and the hardest part is like holding your breath long enough to find the way out of that loop, to find mm. where the where the logical fallacy is, and um, that that is that is energy consuming that does take like a lot of energy. where do you where do you where do you do it do you meditate do you go for like walks have you tried different strategies um the shower is obviously one of the best <laughs> places to do it I spend that a lot seems of time like in the shower that seems like oh awful waste of water <laughs> yeah yeah it is sometimes so. <laughs> um there i found a lot of help using marijuana to do it uh-huh. um something about being under the influence of thc just allows you to make these 
um, these connections a lot quicker um, mm -hmm. and like just exist in your mind space and dive deeper. Um, so do you do it by yourself and, and just mm -hmm. think through it things and you're yeah. just like what Sasha comes in you're just in the in the couch thinking <laughs> yeah no, nothing much. on TV not on your phone not reading anything you're just straighting staring into the void mm -hmm. and just going on this introspective journey for <laughs> hours but what would Sasha say if that happened or is that a common occurrence <laughs> um usually when she she gets back um it's let me finish let me finish this session up this this journey um, <laughs> and then like uh, we usually talk about it, which has been really interesting, which is really fun. Yeah. Um, because that's the that's the beautiful thing about our relationship is that we know that each other has um, these these thoughts and these traumas and these logical inconsistencies deep down, and we're very open to exploring them with each other from a place of love and acceptance. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's like, hey guess what I just found out about myself? Do you, do you want to talk about this? And, she, and she'll be happy to explore it. And uh, a lot of the times she'll even have some perspective on it that I didn't think before. And it's like, whoa, wait, so that's the way out of it. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And then and then you can resolve any problems that may still exist um, that you found by yourself. Hmm. Um, and so I, I found that very, very helpful to have that type of relationship yeah agreed that's great dude i love that for you guys yeah yeah <laughs> it, it uh, i've always been interested in trying one of those sensory deprivation um tanks and just trying to to go on an introspective journey and be completely disconnected from all sensory input and see what that's like like why, why haven't you done it yet um yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. Are they expensive? No, I think there's one in San Diego that you can do for like two hundred dollars. So I would I would love to. I guess my homework to you is to do that, <laughs> and then I want to hear about it. Yeah, I'm down to try that. They sound cool, dude. I I don't know. To me, that sounds scary and terrifying. To be honest, I feel like you'd enjoy it. I feel like I would be bored. In what way? The, you're you're an interesting person, Harvin. Yeah, but I don't need to talk to myself. <laughs> I guess I w I would like to hear what your experience is like because the thought of paying two hundred dollars to just like sit in my own thoughts just doesn't sound interesting or appealing or, or something I'd I'd value, you know. I'd prefer to sleep. I'd prefer to like meditate for 10 minutes if that, but yeah. I think going back to what we discussed earlier about how you can use it for, for growth. It's like, <laughs> that's the opportunity to have these epiph epiphanies. You're, you're um, like, it's like uh, what in Dragon Ball Z where they're in the capsule, right? <laughs> that's, that's the right, that's the right analogy, right? Shit. Maybe you're right. I already just, I mean, Mike, going back to it, I, I fully accept that this is good for me and I should do it more. I also still vehemently agree, think that, like, just because broccoli is good for you doesn't mean it doesn't taste good. 
and I don't think I'd enjoy it, right? But I, I'm sure I would, I would have gained something out of it. I would grow out of it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I wanna I wanna go back to um, another another point that that was brought up where you said um, you feel like it's common knowledge where it it is good to be introspective, but a lot of people don't do it. Um, do you think a lot of people have the same viewpoint as you that it is like broccoli where it, it is I, good for you, but it, it is, it tastes bad. There's, I think there's two, two points to this. Um, it, I think there's, you might disagree with me on this, but I think there is an element of like nature and the way your brain is wired. I think some people enjoy being contemplative introspective and other people don't and um i'm curious what you think there but i i feel like i've never had this introspection i've never and and my experience has also surrounded that like my family doesn't isn't very introspective or or contemplative we never discuss our feelings i wasn't growing up Mm -hmm. in a culture where we discussed all this so again i think it goes back to there's element of nature here and then also my experiences have solidified that so um, I think I would imagine that other people have potentially have similar mindsets. There's some people who are predisposed or, or, or more inclined to be contemplative and, and, or have had either experiences that have solidified that or they've overcome. But I think, I think there's a spectrum and I, I think the portion of population enjoys it and portion doesn't. And I say that because I, I feel like every friend group, you know, people who are like you, Mike, and, and would like find a sensory deprivation chamber interesting. And then you have other friends who are not interested in that and would rather do something else. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious if that is a, a part of, like, as you said, is it nature or nurture? Um, because there, you, you said that your family didn't do it and you kind of grew up in a culture that doesn't do that. And I think we were talking about earlier that a lot of your core values come from the situation that you're in, in growing up. And so being in that type of community kind of puts you at a, a nurturing disadvantage where you're not used to it. You're not familiar with it. You're not, um, accustomed to it. Um, and and so I don't know if that's something that can be changed. The, the situation can be more accepting of, of that if you are raised in a different environment, even if you have the same nature. It, it would be like interesting to go through twin studies in this regard. Um, Mike, I feel like I think that would be that would be fa- I think you I, I feel like you have in the time I've known you. I think you have changed a lot in terms of this, right? I feel like freshman year, Mike, I don't, I don't know how introspective you are. I don't rem- What I remember of you was not that you would like think about things. You would think about things from a curiosity lens, but you wouldn't be very introspective for yourself. I feel like you became more of that the longer I knew you. Do you feel like you've always had this trait? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, no, I don't. 
I want to say that my upbringing, um, we didn't really talk about feelings about why we do stuff. Um, and a lot of the time when those questions are raised, it's met with um, anger and frustration. Um, mm-hmm. People are just the way they are, and you should accept that. Um, so that I feel like I had that mindset going for a while until uh, college. And then once college came around and... I I want to say like junior or senior year um, no it was grad school it was grad school when I was in the neuroengineering lab um, that was when something really like clicked and I was actually doing experiments on the brains of mice and able to control their their behaviors and move their whiskers by stimulating a certain region of of the brain and getting into neuroscience and learning about how the brain works and different than the neurochemicals and neural pathways and different brain regions and how they interact with each other. It, it was, it's, it was absolutely fascinating to think that those same exact processes are going on inside of my, my brain. But I always felt a little uh, annoyed because you can't really get into there with a scalpel and put in an electrode into your own brain and see what's going on. You, you don't have access to an MRI machine. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other the other way to do that is uh, to do it like on a, on a second order uh, level, on a higher level, a more abstract layer. And that those are the thoughts that you have. Those are your, your feelings that you're interacting with. And those are the tools that I have to probe my mind. And I, I now, have, now that I have the tools, um, and then also going into the computer science space, to thinking about it from a logic perspective, mm. uh, those tools now make give me like my engineering toolkit in order to go in and probe this, and to try experiments on my own, my own mind, and try to come up with discoveries and work in the same way. And that has led me to um, all different types of books about behavior and philosophy and different ways to live. And now that you know the way to shape your mind and you can understand philosophy is on the best way to live life those two can be now combined together um, to create the uh, fulfilling satisfying um, life that I want to achieve got it so well that's, put. Well put. that's the journey I think and then and I've seen I've seen that growth I think uh, I mean I'm sure anyone has but like I feel like freshman year, you were just like, work out, meet people, be social, meet girls. <laughs> and then look at you now, right? Like, I think I think you've seen that. It is not nature and, and it is something that you can flex it. It really, it feels like, I mean, the best parallel is still the exercise metaphor. Mm-hmm. What is something that you are very interested in right now? Um, that that can be different from the conversation that we were just having. Where do you find your your time and energy being placed into nowadays? Hmm. As sad as it is, dude, I feel like my time and energy recently have just been focused on work. I haven't had time to think about a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
do I find? I said, let's say before work, because uh, this is this is a certain this is like a different um, time where you don't have a lot of freedom to explore. But the, over the summer, when you did have that freedom, um, I think you were mentioning before we started the podcast about reading and learning about economic ideas. Mm-hmm. What what brought you to to that area? What, what did you find interesting about that? I would say not economic ideas. I, I find that fascinating and things like that. I, I think econ feels a bit like neuroscience versus like biomedical engineering felt like the engineering applications of it. So I didn't love reading about econ theory. It was it was good to like it was fascinating to learn about. I was much more interested in um, case studies of businesses and, and how they've approached those problems and, and, and thinking through that. I think I think that's more app that app more application based analysis is what what definitely interests me and like keeping up with current events, current trends in business. Um, that's that's just always been like something I enjoy doing and, and just a passion of mine. Do you know why that is? Hmm. I think you were mentioning before um, with your consulting business, um, being able to to make a big impact was important to you. And that was something that you weren't able to do beforehand. Yeah, uh, that's but... a good question though. But like, there's a lot of ways to make impact, right? And uh, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about even like high school, like I enjoyed reading about like the assignments I did that were about like the history of how Standard Oil was created. Those kind of things and those kind of questions have always been super interesting to me, much more than like learning about thermodynamics or anything like that. Um, and it's, it's fascinating. I, I, tr- I don't know why it's, um, I think I'm, I'm very, I marvel at humanity, just people's ability to create and organize people and create these like large companies and that, that are able to provide so much value for people that they generate tremendous value themselves. Um, so I think that's super fascinating and figuring out like, how these businesses were started, how they were structured. I, I think that's really fascinating. Do you, do you think of businesses as like a complex organism in a way? If you were to, if you, if you look at like different complex structures, you, you could find all the intricacies of a human being, like look mm-hmm. at all their organs and how they're all working together to make this one person, this one identity. And when you look at a business, there's all these different entities that are all coming together that are that are full of humans, so it's even more complex than that. But they're all they're performing a a function to create outputs that are um, on a higher level. It's just like another layer of of extraction. Um, of I a, think yes. A, I think that's in that way. I think yes. The organism and how the organism survives, and, and how is that organism? How should that organism be structured to be most efficient? I think that's super fascinating. But I think the element of that I think is even more fascinating is how does the organism generate energy more efficiently than other organisms? Like once that energy source is depleted, what is the next source of survival for that organism? I think those questions are, are really interesting. Uh, like survival dynamics? Yeah, right? Like, that? I mean, dude, just huh. even from like 10 years to now, right? Um, someone always, I think someone in high school told me that like, if you look to the fortune 500 30 years ago there are only like 10 companies that have like 
that are still on that list. I find that really fascinating. And then, and then you extrapolate to like, there's a good chance Google might not exist 20 years from now. Um, and that blows my mind, right? And and think back even 10 years, like think about how many large companies were in the Fortune 500 that are no longer around or are tiny businesses now. Um, I mean, that's why my industry exists. And I think those are really fascinating questions. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. It's, it's like Darwin, his system is being applied to exactly exactly i mean it's 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 capitalism is darwinism right survival Uh, of the fittest yeah that's what capitalism is but yeah dude it's fascinating like to just think about that and it's scary too right like like illumina might not be around 10 years from now like my company might be extinct like it's it's scary and i think it's exciting but um i think it's really fun to read about stories and the people that are able to create these kind of lasting businesses. Um, I think there's an element of you and I before the show talked about, or before we started on the show, we, we talked about our shared interests for like historical dramas and historical like events based in history. Like it's, it's amazing to read about like how the Ford Motor Company was created or something like that, or Standard Oil, like any of these businesses and, and how they were shaped and completely revolutionized markets and then and then ultimately either fell to their demise or, or, or something like that you know there's there's great history in business i think and it's fascinating to me mm-hmm. do you have any idea of what the end goal of what you want to do with all this knowledge that you're accumulating all this experience in in regards to business No, man, it's in, no, um, I don't think I've ever been someone who has had great conviction of what I've wanted to do in life. And I don't fully, I have a vague idea of generally right now, where do I want to be in 10 years? Um, but I don't think I'm someone with like a ton of like, this is exactly what that is. I think I'm pretty flexible. And frankly, I think a big reason I entered consulting was, it's a way to, to not have to make that decision just yet and to be able to work in multiple industries and, and kind of almost have that decision made for you, like for better or worse. I mean, it's kind of scary to be honest, but for better or worse, I'm going to leave whenever I do with Bain, I'm going to leave with like a deep specialized experience in something and hopefully I enjoy that something. Um, I think it's important for me to, when I think about my next level of introspection, to figure out what that something is. Um, I think it's, it's, I don't know like what area of business I want to work in, what role I want to have, what kind of organization. I think those are all important things that I should figure out sooner or later because then later, because um, if I don't like, I could end up specializing in the aluminum industry or something like that, something I'm super not interested in because that's where all my clients are and that's where I develop my deep functional expertise. Hmm. Uh, that was a that was a great callback to introspection and how you can leverage that to give yourself the greatest chance of success in the future or life satisfaction. Yeah. 
That's 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 great. I think um, with your with your core values and your your true self, um, kind of whatever direction you go in, even if it is in uh, aluminum or something, you're still gonna find positivity and enjoyment and and a fun in life and that that is such a strong quality that you have that it is a very powerful um yeah and so appreciate you saying that mike um i i would agree with that and i mean i'm very thankful i had i've had i have this like outlook on life and I, I hope I never lose it. Right. Like I, mm-hmm. no matter like what challenge I have, I, I just, I, I hope to like tackle it with positivity, with hard work and determination. And I feel like that will lead to a good outcome. And I have faith in that. Right. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, so. Yeah. I agree with that. Awesome. All right, Harvin. Um, I want to, I want to thank you for coming on, uh, on the podcast. It, it was a pleasure um this has been uh, an awesome addition to the the podcast and i'm really glad we got to catch up and do all this i hope so dude whoever has made it to the end of this is probably (laughs) like what the fuck is harvin talking about um as someone who's not introspective this is this is a fun exercise mike and and i think you were you're a good i almost describe you as a sherpa (laughs) um through this and because this isn't a conversation that I would have had unless you probed me to it. So, so one, I thank you for, for like having me on and, and like leading me through that journey. Um, I think one thing I've always admired about, I just, I've told you this is like your, your ability to find passions you're interested in and go into 200%. And, and I, your curiosity is, is super, super admirable. If, if there was any quality I could add to like my core, I wish I had that. Right. So, um, it's fun to see the newest project and the newest thing. And, and thanks for bringing me along, I guess. All right. Harvin has officially left the podcast and now it is just me um, that is left to give the closing remarks. So first of all, Harvin did a, a did a great job of introspecting um, for someone who originally claimed that he wasn't good at it. Uh, he did a great job. And then um, he really came into it with an open mind. Um that that was that was really impressive. Uh, he gave some some really good answers about who he was and, and what he believed, um, and I'm I'm very grateful that that he was able to do that here. Um, also, he he had some really good pushback, um, and I found myself in a place uh, where I wasn't really satisfied in the answer that I gave about curiosity, and uh, he he really uh, shone a light on that. Um, and so I'm pretty thankful about that because after the podcast, um, I realized that I had to go and think about what my core values were. I, I never actually um, put them down. I, I have my beliefs were, what my, my thoughts are, um, the history, the narratives that I'm putting together, but I don't have the core values. So this was a great opportunity to do that. Um, and it also was a, a great opportunity to research curiosity. Um, beforehand I had a very rudimentary understanding of what curiosity was and after doing some research uh, I realized that there's so much more that I need to go and explore Um, and just from quickly reading about it um, I kind of now understand why I had such a a difficult time answering um, that question 
um, and just briefly, it comes from um, perceptual curiosity versus epistemic curiosity. Um, so, yeah, when you're when you're stumped and stumbling for an answer, it's usually a great time to uh, go research it and go figure out why you're stumbling with it. Um, so, failure in this case is kind of an opportunity to grow and fill in the blanks and um, put it together put together a cohesive understanding in a place that you didn't really have it and didn't know that you didn't have it um, so yeah that's the beauty of doing these podcasts um, but okay back to um, what was discussed in the podcast uh, it's kind of interesting now because we have two versions of what true self is um, to recall last time from from Peter's definition it was the way that you act when you are your most comfortable. It's the way that you act when you are unimpeded and you, there's no walls or boundaries. So that's one of them. And now from Harvin, um, the definition of true self is at your core, what values have been the most consistent and reliable throughout your life? Those are where you, that is where you find your true self. And those values that you have, they dictate the way that you behave in the majority of situations. And I think that these are both great definitions. Um, the good thing about true self is that it is subjective. Um, each person has their own perspective as to what true self is. And um, I, I think it's important to put labels on, on them to distinguish the two, two different types, where one is the uninhibited self, the self that is expressed unselfconsciously and without restraint. The other is the core value self, the self that is expressed when abiding by a set of values that have been consistent throughout life. Uh, I think once they have labels, they become easier to identify through introspection. I, I know it really gave me the push to go and find more my core values, uh, my core value self, and. Uh, now that I think about it, I need to see what the difference is between my core value self and my uninhibited self. And I think the reason for that, as discussed with Harvin, is the idea of, of uh, growth. Self-contemplation helps you identify areas that could use some growth. Um, and it, it, it gives the tools like the pickaxe and the miner's hat to dig down and find the root of these ideas or behaviors that are preventing you from being who you want to be. Um, I, I think once you once you find these roots, you have the opportunity to dig them up and to plant something new. But I guess the question is now, in which direction should that growth be? Is there an end goal in regards to self-growth? Is there s such a thing as the ideal self and are we all trying to move towards it? If so, how is that ideal self shaped and how is it different between people? What influences it? Where, where does it come from? Um, I don't have the answers to these questions yet, but that won't stop me from looking for them. And I'll continue that journey on the next episode. <music>